T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Well, good morning to one of the great baseball cities in this country. I don't know how many of you... And I guess I include my colleague Bruce Levine in that. Stayed up with me till the end of that game, but I slept for about four hours while the game lasted around seven. I took care of it so you guys didn't have to watch it all. I took care of no, watching it all for you. I didn't stay up with you. I went into our bedroom and went to sleep. Our, our bedroom? Well, you said uh, stayed up with you. <laughs> I, you're implying I was at your house, well, right? Yeah, no. It's, I guess it's a good reason it, why I stayed on the recliner. It was a compelling game, 18 innings worth um, – I don't know how many people survived. See, that's the thing. It shouldn't be referred to, but it was even while it was happening as torture because there is that moment, obviously, when the Dodgers do not score and you realize, yep, we got 30 more minutes and it's already 2.15 a.m. or it's 1.15 a.m. or wherever you are and you've got to do it. But my God, a million ups and downs, fascinating stuff, some heroes, some goats, a lot of strategy to consider before they start again in just a few hours. And he is Matt Spiegel. I'm Bruce Levine. We're here for you every Saturday talking Chicago baseball, talking all 28 teams. It is your baseball show, 52 weeks out of the year. The number to reach us and get in the show, 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 6711. He'll read all that we can uh, on the radio, and he'll paraphrase the rest. By the way, Matt, inside the clubhouse, brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your fall home for the best food in Chicagoland checklist. The best deli, yes. The best restaurant, Indeed, the best bakery on the North Shore, no doubt about it. Max and Benny's dinners from 4 to 9 p.m. feature full meals of roast beef, chicken, the freshest whitefish and salmon in the city. Bakery goods to die for include sugar cookies, mandel bread, home-baked bagels, bialis, rye bread, challah at Max and Benny's. Private party room and business meeting area seats 10 to 150. Catering is king for Max and Benny's. Ask for John at maxandbennies.com, 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Love you some Max and Bennies in Northbrook. Love you some World Series talk. Matt Spiegel was at game two with his dad and... Older brother. Yeah, um, yeah older brother. And, and my pops at 85, you got to make these trips while you can, Bruce, right? They drove up from New York. I flew out for a quickie from here, and the three of us sat there and watched a World Series game um, at, at Fenway, which was pretty tremendous. And that one moved fast. That was about three hours and 20 minutes. And the Red Sox were looking like uh, they were going to, you know, put this thing away um, if they could have gotten one last night. But now, after 18 innings, the demoralizing nature of of losing a game like that and using everybody except mm, Drew Pomerantz and Chris Sale, we'll see. If they can respond. I love the fact that they lost. Not because I'm cheering for the Dodgers or the Red Sox. I'm cheering for a great World Series. Longer series, more games, I'm cheering for a seven-gamer where it has to go back to Boston. And uh, you have to figure out who's going to pitch. I mean, tonight, the Red Sox are put in a position where they used their starting pitcher for tonight for six innings yesterday in (laughs) Evaldi. Um, who pitches tonight? Does Chris Sale come back early? Um, 
after the game, Alex Cora said he did not know who was going to pitch. You know, it's it's uh, one in the morning there. It's three in the morning here. It's four in the morning in Boston. Uh, everybody is foggy and burnt out from seven hours and 30 minutes of baseball. It's intriguing, and I think, you know, baseball needs that shot in the arm of a very good World Series at this point in time. And and, and is that good, What what happens last night? I mean, you and I... Uh, I, I would assume, certainly me, I, I mean, I'm sold. You know, I'm sold on the product. I love the product. I enjoyed every bit of that, even, you know, benevolently griping about the torturous nature of a seven-hour game. Uh, I thought it was fascinating with a million things to talk about and tons of nuance, et cetera. But is the game itself doing any favors, doing itself any favors when it takes that long? Obviously, it's one of the longest games in the history of, of baseball, the longest postseason game in the history of baseball. Um, when it takes that long when it goes that late and when it devolves into what it devolves into, which is everybody in both lineups pretty much trying to swing for that walk-off homer until Max Muncy does it in well, the 18th inning. Well, you know, Matt, I'm glad you came to Bruce Levine Baseball Solutions because here I am to help you solve these problems. Uh-oh. And they're real. And it, and it is not – it transcends just time of game, trying to pare down two or three minutes – you know, going from three hours and five minutes average game during the season mm-hmm. to three hours and two minutes. This is that's not getting it done for baseball or the demographic that they're looking for. What's going to get it done? And uh, again, it's a it's we're stepping sideways from the main main topic of long World Series games, which are ridiculous to begin with because they start so late. But the fact that um, baseball needs a uh, a time clock. Not pitchers, not hitters, not umpires. They need a time clock. In terms of ball, uh, getting the ball into play? No. In terms of, in no. terms of what? I... Two hours, 47 minutes is the length of every baseball game. <laughs> well, how, how, do you, how do you propose to get to the that? The game ends. <laughs> the, the game just ends wherever you are. The game ends, yeah. Well, just that's... like an NBA game okay, or you... an NFL. No, no way. You know, you, that's, you're messing with the entire fabric of the thing. It's always been unique it's because not it has no clock. Working the way it is. Well, I guess that depends on what your goals it's are. It's not working. Do you do you want to do you really want to challenge the NFL and the NBA for supremacy? Can you just give that up and say we had a great do you century? Your, do you want your fan base to be able to show up at seven o'clock and know they'll be out of there by a quarter to ten? Uh, n- no, I don't think you care about that. I think you, oh, you're I, talking. I think you about, you're talking about a deeply. Uh, just a massive change in in the very makeup of the game, which has always made it unique. The game ends at, if it starts at 7, it ends at 9.47. It ends at 9.47. Now, you may want to have, as uh, Zach Withers and I came up with, you may want to have a shootout-type ending to the game, just like they do in hockey. Just like they do in soccer. Okay. See, there's something at the end of the World Cup when they have the shootouts at the end of the World Cup, and everybody bitches about it, or not everybody, but there, people bitch about it, but accept it. Um, I, I mean, I wonder if that's the kind of thing that will eventually be considered. Not not the not the clock that you're Martinez talking about. Martinez facing uh, Muncie. So have have a little a home run derby at the end of the game, like a like a shootout. Yeah. Two to one, Dodgers win. All right. And how much are you serious about this, Bruce? I'm, I'm serious to about the problem. Well, the problem I'm I think is I'm serious about a solution, Matt. Mm-hmm. I'm serious about a solution. I'm serious about 
people coming to a game or watching a game at home for the advertisers who pay for that product and know they have the attention span of that audience. Mm. I, I, I think there are ways which we have started to see where the advertisers can get more out of their money. Um, like the five second ads in the middle of an at bat are, are jarring when you first see them. And I noticed them, um, you know, last night, some, somehow more than, but more Which than I have. Which ads do you remember? Uh, I, I don't even, one was a movie. Mm-hmm. I think another was a car, but there are five second right. ads in the middle of the at bat. Last year, the NFL started doing split screen ads at changes of possession uh, instead of going to break sometimes right. on a punt or things like that. And, and and I don't really have a problem with the five second ads in the middle of the at bat. Even though you can say, "Oh my God, this violates my my purity" or or whatever. But there's signage all over the ballpark. There's there, there's patches on NBA jerseys that teams are having banquets to announce. You, you like that, that to, stuff doesn't have a you a have bother to be me. able to tell your advertisers that the the product they're they're paying five million dollars a spot for mm-hmm. is going to resonate. And the the best way to do that. To make sure you hold their attention span while the game's going on. I think I think this was unfortunate for on a lot of levels um, for certain viewers, probably for Rob Manfred, who has been openly griping and wondering why their their ratings aren't there for a Red Sox for a Boston and Los Angeles World Series. But it's going to go down as a classic. It, it has completely changed this World Series strategically, intellectually, right. and and emotionally. Uh, and and I think it's gonna it, it's gonna be looked at as as a gem and as a memorable, incredible moment. So I don't I I, I think I think you're reacting a little extremely. Well, it's also going to change uh, the way they go after Game Four tonight. That's for because sure because you're going to be limited in your pitching. So when when you want to make those moves of uh, taking your starting pitching pitcher out with, with one out in the uh, fifth inning and he's only given up two hits, mm. you're not going to be able to do it tonight. Yeah, what's interesting is that I think Alex Cora survived because he just completely abused Nate Eovaldi. Right. But everybody else, other than Rick Porcello, the starter, didn't go more than four outs. He, he's got guys who can come right. back. And, uh, and and so so I think he actually survived because he asked Eovaldi to throw 90-plus pitches right. in, in, po- in right. uh, extra but innings. The, but both closers are down to one inning for sure. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see... You can't you can't see Jansen coming in and pitching more than one inning tonight. Can't do it. No, probably not because you got another one tomorrow. He already threw two yesterday. Yeah, I, I think what ends up bothering me, Bruce, is that the game devolved into so much uh, of, of what we've seen that can sometimes be annoying, which is the strikeouts and the the pop ups. Oh my God, relentless pop ups as everybody goes for a homer when the two runs that score in the thirteenth are both because a, a, a guy scrapped his way on base and had an eventful. Uh, run around the bases with an error added in. It's like, hey, go ahead and try to scrap and get on. Not everybody has to be swinging for that game ender. I guess the question we have to ask our listening audience, are you watching the World Series? Hmm. Are you interested in the Dodgers and the um, and the Red Sox? Or are you focused on the offseason, which is only a week away, and we'll be concentrating on an awful lot here every Saturday. Free agency comes up. Uh, just a day after uh, the World Series ends, F- choices about whether you offer um, uh, 
offer money to your free agents, mm-hmm. your existing free agents, have to happen in five days. Options have to be picked up in five days. How about Are, how about players? Like if you saw Kershaw has to exercise his option or opt out or not in three days. Right, right, right. Same thing with Cole Hamels and the Cubs. Mm-hmm. You know. Are you focused on that, or are you watching this World Series? 312-644-6767 is the number here on Inside the Clubhouse. And, uh, Matt, there, there's so much to talk about. But, uh, you know, the, the, the World Series itself uh, brings on a lot of ancillary, you know, looks at the game and the, the idea that uh, do you have the right broadcasters uh, broadcasting is John Smoltz a different broadcaster now than he was two years ago? I think so. I, I don't understand what happened. Whether he was playing to a younger base then and just decided to embrace his true curmudgeonly self, or he has been sort of pushed in this direction. But he, it, it, it it's he's unpleasant, and and I really used to like him quite a bit. I, I find him unpleasant, and I, I I find him griping about a lot of things, which are just sort of an acceptable part of how you do business these days. Joe Buck is Joe Buck. Uh, most people in Chicago don't really like his style. They think he's more of a Chicago hater in a lot of ways. That's what at least. That's my impression. I don't know if that's yours over the years. Yeah, no, it it, it was for a while. But like, look, I, I've gotten to know the guy a, a little bit the past few years, and I have to admit that. But I, I but I, I find him likable and natural. I'm, I, 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 there was a moment last night when like Smoltz wasn't giving him anything as he was trying to critique a uh, a, a pickoff attempt when Ian Kinsler maybe was out at first base, was called safe, and he said, "Where's Pereira when you need him?" And he means Mike Pereira. Because Buck has done two baseball games, then a Thursday night football game, and then two more baseball games, both of the last two weeks. And it still comes off very natural and relaxed and goes 18 innings. Is I, it, is I, 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 found, I find him enjoyable. Well, I enjoyed him last he's night. He's one of the great broadcasters of this era. Is that too much for him to handle, to be prepared to do each event to the fullest uh, that he can. I, I think he. I think he gets it done. I just think there's people that really don't like his tone, don't like his mm-hmm. delivery, and find it find it boring or, or, or off putting, and it adds to the problems that we were talking about in terms of the style of the game. I, I think Smoltz is a much bigger negative than Buck, in yeah. my opinion. I agree with you on John. Uh, I, I thought that he was the one of the great finds over the last three or four years, as far as an analyst. Told me all kinds of things. Pretty much Steve Stone like uh, when Steve started uh, to work with Harry and would be able to sh- tell you two or three things that might happen in the next sequence. And yeah. Sure enough, something always happened. Yeah. You know, similar to it. Uh, John was way on his game on that, and now it's it's more complaint oriented. It, it is, and, and you're right. There was a moment where he and AJ Prasinski worked together a couple of postseasons ago, where I thought, "My God, this is as good as it gets." A battery sitting here breaking it down, and then something has sort of changed along the way. This hour is brought to you by Webb Chevy. Searching for a great deal on Chevys in Chicago? Visit Webb Chevy in Plainfield or Oak Lawn. We got a lot to do. Matt Davidson's going to be on the show later on. A really interesting story in the White Sox offseason. Dan Evans will be on the show. Danny Evans, a former White Sox GM forever, former Dodger. GM, give his perspective. He's been a scout for the last uh, 15 years in baseball and is one of those guys that I find fascinating because he meshes the scouting and the metrics angle mm-hmm. to perfection. Yeah, and, and Danny a... teaches a class 
uh, online about becoming a general manager and a scout. We'll give you that side also because it's it's an interesting uh, part of what uh, Danny does as an all-consuming baseball man. Let's uh, let's jump to the lines and talk a little baseball with our great Chicago listeners. And uh, and Bruce, you wrote about uh, Bryce Harper this week. Want to talk with you about that Harper and Machado along the way as well. This is Matt. In River North on 670, the score. Hello, Matt. You're on. What's happening? Hey, good morning, fellas. I got a couple questions for Bruce. Bruce, you had a couple great points about the number of strikeouts. I think Smoltz is disgusted by that. He talks about it all the time. Um, and let me ask you a question. You got Bryce Harper, free agent, Manny Machado, a free agent. Can you tell me that they're better players than George Brett? Are they and, better players? Yeah. Who would you rather have up? In the game on the line, George Brett or one of those two well, guys. George Brett's fifty-five. I, I don't. Well, no, but he, in his prime. Oh, I see. A player <laughs> I like just... that, a George Brett, a Tony Gwynn. To me, it's more fun to watch those guys hit than to see some guys knock knock the ball in the park. A true master of their craft. You know, I I, I agree with you, but um, let's let's stay with the here and now of who is around. You know, I mean, George Brett was one of the unique players of his era and one of the great players of any era. Right now, Harper and Machado happen to be the great players of their era. What what you're looking for when you're putting a team together these days is a mix of of contact guys and power guys, or more ideally, guys who can do both in the midst of a game, sometimes in the midst of an at-bat. J.D. Martinez, the kind of hitter that he is and the kind of perspective that he has, because he talked about it quite a bit, especially after game two, his philosophy and what he looks to do. And just watch him this year if you have how brilliant he is with two strikes, his two-run single that essentially gave the Red Sox the lead and the win uh, on on Wednesday night, comes uh, early in the count, just finds a pitch he can work with, and just kind of smacks it off uh, into, into right field. He's willing to do that even though he's a 43-homer guy because situationally his head is in the right place. These are the guys you dream of these right. days. When you have a, and, and you pointed out well, Matt, when you, when you have a, a player that is so exceptional in so many different areas of hitting, and he's, you know, he's not an outfielder, he has to play there in the National League game here in the World Series, that's another discussion altogether that we uh, should get into because it's, it's disgusting. Every year is even more disgusting when you have to consider, you know, changing your team around for the DH during the World Series. But from, th- from this perspective, the old school numbers for Martinez of 330, 43, 130, they resonate across the board into every metrics area you want. Okay, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, you're, you know, you're a 400 on base percentage guy. You're a 575 slugging guy. You're a thousand, you know, OPS. The, it, that's the type of player that satisfies everybody. That's a superstar, and that's what he is. Doesn't play in the field very well, but that's another story. Yeah, but you know, Martinez just he's willing and wants to just put the barrel on the ball as often as possible. He, lo- he, he, he loves launch angle, and he's going for hitting the ball high and hitting the ball deep because he's powerful, and that's his strength. But he's malleable. He's malleable, and that's, those are the kind of guys you want. And if you can't teach your guys to be that way, then you've got to go out and sign guys who are that way. Mike, Ron, Mel, John, uh, we'll all get to you. 312-644-6767. As Matt said, we'll talk to Danny Evans, former general manager of the Dodgers. Matt Davidson. On his conversion, no, it's not a religion. Uh, he's moving on from 
from hitting to pitching, and we're going to talk to him in the uh, 10 o'clock hour, and you as well. Again, 312-644-6767. thought maybe Matt Davidson would be interested in the Kreplach at Max and Benny's. Well, he might be anyway. It's Inside the Clubhouse. We'll be right back on 670 The Score. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel. He, of course, is Bruce Levine. Uh, After a truly insane, epic, classic of an 18-inning game, we are talking a little bit of World Series and what it means for the broader game with you. Lots of Cubs and Sox angles to come Before as well. Before we get to Danny Evans, former general manager of the Dodgers, assistant GM for the White Sox for years, one of the innovators uh, back in the early 80s of using analytics to help his manager at that time, Tony LaRussa. Let's uh, get to our phone lines, man. This is Ron on the south side. Ron, what's up? I don't know how much game you saw last night, but let's talk about it. Guys, look here. You, I, 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 I love the game. Both of you all know this, but I don't know. And, and I look at the stars, uh, Mookie Betts, Martinez Scott, and for some reason I have almost a, a passing interest. Oh, and one of the things, guys, that can that I think too affects the continuity and the time really is, is, is the relief pitch. I, the other day when Shotty Sales was pulled after – the fourth inning. So it, it, there's some challenges. I tell you, but I, I, I want to ask you guys a question regarding the, the White Sox real quick upcoming season. I, I, I get a feeling that Ricardo is um, a child is just set for third base. Do you put him at third base right from spring training and see if he can handle that position? So maybe you all can. Uh, you're so, you're asking about who? He's asking about Yoan Moncada oh, for third base. Okay. Not, not Machado as a right. fait accompli White Sox signing. Uh, yes. Um, Go ahead I, and put I, him at third, Bruce. I believe he is. I be, believe at some point. We're going to have um, White Sox GM uh, Rick Hahn on next week. Oh, good. And that'll be a part of the conversation. I'm sure he'll tell us what he feels uh, comfortable with telling us. But if they're going to, what, what Rick said, the, the last conversation he had with the media in September before the season ended was, if we are going to, and I asked him about Mankata switching, and he said, if we are going to switch Mankata, and we don't know what we're doing right now uh, for sure, you guys will know about it early enough because it's not going to be a last-minute decision. It'll be something that he goes through mm-hmm. spring training, maybe pre-spring training, and he evolves into. But I, I don't know if they're there yet uh, because they're, they're probably um, – they probably don't have anyone there they want to put there right now. So do you continue to put him there? Or do you get him to the position you think he's going to play in the future? Yeah, it's it's interesting. They've got they've got a little time still to work on it. Look, Mancada is by no way, in no way, deemed a bust or a finished product by me um, at all. But I do remember when they were talking about dealing with the Red Sox and trying to figure out who to go for. Mancada was the number one prospect in the system, number one prospect in the game. Andrew Benintendi was discussed quite a bit, and so was Rafael Devers, third right. baseman. Um, with with quite a bat, a left-handed bat. And Devers has had kind of a bumpy year, OPS of 731, but he hit 21 homers, was hurt a couple of times. And if you've watched him in this yeah, postseason, some great oh, some tremendous at-bats. Mm-hmm. And his poise and his smarts are being praised by teammates and yeah. management he's alike. Gonna be a, he's going to be a, someone to deal with. I wish they held for out sure. for Devers. I don't know if they had the right. – I know it came up in conversation, but I, I wish they'd gotten Let's him. take one more, and then Danny Evans, uh, the – General Manager, former Sox GM, DePaul grad, 
Chicago guy will be joining us. Lane Tech legend. But this is Mel in the South Shore real quick on the score. Hello, Mel. What's happening? Good morning. I think that baseball got exactly what baseball deserved, an 18-inning game. I think that their inability to change led to that because the same people that that are complaining about the length of an 18-inning game will be loath to accept any changes to shorten the game. Mm -hmm. I I agree with you. I mean, um, Mel, thank you for that call. I agree. Just like how you bristled at my idea of uh, a time clock in baseball. Well, they've got to make some kind of changes because we've hit. It's, it's got to be. We've hit, a, we, be. we've hit a point where, like, the best strategy to try and win in the game is not the best aesthetic to watch the game. It, it, just, it just isn't. And you do have some issues. I, I, I think more people are open to change than, than folks understand, though. We, bo- are, we are pleased to bring in uh, a great friend of mine for the last 35 years longer, I think, and uh, <laughs> Chicagoan and uh, now, uh, you know, a teacher, a scout, a baseball executive, all wrapped into one. Our good friend uh, Danny Evans joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, guys. Boy, did we watch a great game last night. You and me did, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Was, <laughs> some of us older people fell asleep and uh, were, were in and out. Uh, I, I had to take, uh, you know, a, a couple of... Uh, well, you can't take greenies in radio either. So, well, uh, but I mean, yeah, I, I, <laughs> not need, publicly. I needed one. Not Danny. publicly, anyway. I, I needed a greenie to get through that game. That game had so many ebbs and flows, had first guessing going on in almost every inning, but it also was a fabulous baseball game. I mean, there were things going on, there was drama. You know, it's amazing that Muncie could hook a ball foul and then turn around. And guys, listen, you guys know, I was the GM of the Dodgers. We knew that after the sun went below the mountains, you cannot hit a ball between the gaps out of the ballpark. You just can't. You can't expect it. You can't anticipate it. Hmm. For him in the 18th inning of the ball game to go opposite field, that's unbelievable. Yeah. That was absolutely a remarkable achievement for Mac Mon- and, Max Muncy. And, and what was lost in this game, some great, great performances. And when I uh, checked in with Danny yesterday, Matt, and uh, we went text up and back about the game coming up, he said, watch for Bueller to pitch a great game tonight. Great game was lost. And nobody's nobody's even going to talk about seven, seven shutout innings, innings, two hit ball, two hits, no walks, yeah. seven strikeouts, and he he's probably as, as you know when when you have uh, Kershaw on your team, you say, well, that's our best pitcher. I don't think you can necessarily say that right now with with this young guy on the team. No, I agree, and I'm old enough to remember when Walker Bueller, Bueller started that game in the World Series. So you know it's. <laughs> It's. It, I tell you what. I think he's going to be one of the truly great pitchers of his generation. I think he's already the best pitcher on the Dodgers, and he delivered much like Wilson Alvarez delivered in the '93 playoffs in Toronto. That is unbelievable pressure on a young pitcher in a postseason game on the road, you know. And then for Bueller to go in to Los Angeles and throw the way he did last night. You know, where there was no margin for error. People are getting on Jansen a little bit and questioning Roberts' decision. 
you guys both know that, you know, Bueller's coming off of Tommy John. They've babied him all year as they rightfully should. You know, he is an absolute incredible piece of China. They're not going to mess that up. And, uh, you know, what happened to Jansen on the home run, you know, that happens. I mean, it, it happened to Dennis Eckersley, and he's got a plaque in the Hall of Fame. I mean, great players do great things sometimes in the postseason. But I think Evaldi is lost in this whole thing. He threw an incredible performance last night. Six innings, now, yeah. And there was a great note towards the later stages of the game from Ken Rosenthal, or was it Verducci? I don't know which one said it. But, you know, Alex Cora, a dear friend who went for the juggler and went using two starters in that game, that might end up costing him game four, which would even the series. But I give Alex a ton of credit going for the kill. 3-0, you're done. You know you're done. And uh, it might come back to haunt him tonight. I think tonight's game, guys, honestly, will be amazing because both teams are spent and both teams know what's at stake tonight because if this thing's tied up, I think you know, momentum is sitting in the Dodger dugout, and I think the, the Red Sox are trying to finish this thing off in Los Angeles, and I think it's going to be a really great ball game tonight. I, I thought actually the way that Cora handled the bullpen was, was phenomenal. Once you get to Eovaldi, you just got to let him go and go and go. So you save yourself some options, and he'll decide between Pomerantz, maybe Eduardo Rodriguez, maybe Chris Sale on short rest tonight. And yeah, it, should, it, should, yeah. it should be fascinating. Danny, you, know, you came up in conversation yesterday as Bruce and I were talking about um, an, an amazing article on The Ringer that I've tweeted out a couple of times about what front offices know that, teams, or that fans do not know. And and you gave yeah. you gave us a tiny window there into the weather related aspect of at night whether the ball is going to float out uh, between the gaps there at Dodger Stadium. But uh, do fans really have a grasp as we all sit around and question managerial decisions? Do we have any idea of what teams have informationally these days that we don't have access to, which may rule those decisions? Well, man, I'll tell you what, and that is a fabulous question. I think the fans that are dialed in that are, you know, at savant stage, people that are really obsessed with information, I think they know more than people would think. It's just shocking how much information is out there. But from a club standpoint, with the advent of TrackMan and some of the other analytic measures that we have our hands on and some of the staff who all they do is work on the franchise and work on knowledge of the club. There are things, you know, there's things that the training staff knows. Mm -hmm. There's things that, you know, candidly, sometimes, you know, you don't know who's having trouble with, you know, intestinal flu. You don't know who's got a sinus condition. You don't know. I was thinking last night and Bruce, I know you remember this. We played the 25 inning game against the Brewers in 1984 right. with the White Sox. And we had three guys who were really sick that night. And we kept thinking, how are we going to go le- deeper in this game when this guy can't really play and this guy can't perform at a high level? And I think one of the things that fans don't realize is, you know, when we turn off that TV last night, and I'm on the West Coast, you know, again, turning off the game just before 1 o'clock, the players will go into meetings and go into video rooms after the game, 
try to disseminate more reports about tonight's ball game. Mm-hmm. I bet you a lot of a lot of guys there didn't go home until late. And what they do is they spew information at you from a coaching staff, a front office staff, and for the players getting ready already for the game tonight. These guys left the ballpark ready for game four. And the shocking thing is when they come in the park today to Dodger Stadium, they're going to have stuff on their chair. They're going to have stuff in the video room that you would never imagine available. You know, tipping pitches, sequences, various repertoire use at different times of the game. And, you know, there are so many little things that determine a postseason game. You never know which one of those preparation aspects turns out to be the difference in the ballgame. That's the voice of Danny Evans. He's mad. I'm Bruce. We're here for you every Saturday with Inside the Clubhouse 9 to 11 on WSCR The Score. Danny, you uh, teach a class. It's called Baseball General Manager and Scouting Course. Uh, Tell us a little bit about this, the involvement of it, and how people can actually take this. I believe it's an eight-week course. Yeah, before I do that, Bruce, one thing that's really lost, Ted Barrett did a phenomenal job behind the plate last night. I mean, that's that's hard to umpire a game for 18 innings and be that good behind home plate. About six years ago, I was approached by a group in Portland, Oregon, that wanted to teach a course on how to get young people into the game and give them a foundation um, to support their candidacy and really improve their chances and enhance their, um, I, I would say, viability to be to be hired in the game. And they approached me. They asked me if I would put together a uh, a course, and I do. It's an eight week course with sports management worldwide taught on Saturday mornings. I'm going to do it in about 20 minutes. And we have people from five continents uh, in the class this week, this uh, session. It's sold out for six plus years. Hmm. What we do is we give people a chance to learn about what Matt said, some of the nuances of the game and give them a leg up on their peers when they're in the job market. And it's been a extremely rewarding situation. Roland Heeman approached me about seven or eight years ago and said, you need to start giving back. You've had such a fun career. Think about ways that you could do things to to just enhance other people's chances, much like you had. And I'll be honest with you, Bruce, it's one of the best things I've ever done. It's not only rewarding, but it's it's very fun to hear this new wave of people. And also, as they get hired with teams, it's a blast to go to ballparks and meet up with people who are, you know, former students that are now thriving in the game. That's very cool. Uh, the bottom of the hour here on The Score is brought to you by Marvin Design Gallery by Evanston Lumber. They feature Marvin windows and doors for new construction, remodels, and replacement. Visit their showroom in Lake Bluff or find them online at marvinbyevanstonlumber.com today. Um, Danny, let, let me a- ask you about this. We're talking to Dan Evans um, at, here on, on The Score. Uh, in this piece, there was a, an analyst for a major league team anonymously who said that these days – Cutting-edge batter-pitcher projections are based on batter-pitcher swing and pitch planes and the ways that those attributes interact. So instead of looking at this guy versus lefties or this guy versus righties or even this guy versus pitch type, that these days they're looking at some guys have an east-west swing, some guys with an up-down swing, a sinker ball lefty versus a four-seam lefty. They are trying to optimize swing angle versus pitch angle. 
That fascinated me. You think that's accurate, that that's the way some teams are doing business and advising their managers from move to move? 100%. Matt, I'd love if you could forward me that I will. that uh, article. I'll be honest with you. I think it's tougher to hit today than it's been at any time in the history of the game. I think the batting average reflected that. A two forty seven batting average in the game was the lowest since 1972. Right. This, is, this is a time where, you know, 20 years ago, you used to pitch to your strengths. So Tom Seaver gets on the mound. He's going to get you fastball slider, and he it's up to you to beat him. We don't play the game that way anymore. Right. Now we exploit the hitter's weaknesses, and the pitchers have to be more versatile than ever. Hmm. You know, everybody's talking about velocity, but in reality, it's location and command that has become such a vital part of the game you pitch to shifts so as a result if you don't locate you don't command your fastball the shift is negated it's it's basically it becomes nebulous so what you've got to do is you pitch now to try to attack hitters weaknesses and the resulting effect is when a team is scouting you and they see you flounder in certain situations offensively they continue to attack there until you prove that that isn't a weak spot. So in the postseason, to be honest with you, the reason why guys don't hit isn't because they're nervous, isn't because of the pressure. It's because the thing that they do worst is being exploited for a month straight. And guys like me who are sitting and watching these games for a month that aren't in the postseason, when we get into the season next year, we attack those very same areas. Yeah, Not, so, nothing, nothing points out, Danny, more than what you're talking about than watching um, Max Muncy looking at an iPad in the dugout when they bring yeah. in Rodriguez to relieve uh, the starting pitcher yesterday. I mean, that is, if you don't, if you don't understand evolution in the game and understanding the dynamic of pitch to pitch and what you're talking about, about pitching to the weaknesses of hitters now, as opposed to your strengths, uh, then, then you're not going to be uh, relevant in the game any longer. Yeah. It's a drastic transformation, Bruce. And you know what? A lot of it is video. A lot of it is analytics, but a lot of it is dependent upon who communicates it mm-hmm. and how, you can immobilize a player and basically, you know, paralyze a guy by analysis if it's not approached the right way. I mean, for the three of us on this call, just imagine having 10 or 12 things thrown at you about every guy. You can see, and for the fans, look at the players reaching in their back pocket and looking at little cards in their back pocket, which tells them where to defend guys in game. At the same time, both catchers are, have pieces on their left wrist where they're looking at how to pitch and how to attack hitters. It has become such a science, and it has become so precise that for a hitter to thrive in today's game, he's got to be not only so special, but he has to be adaptable. And being adaptable and being a great hitter usually is not one the same. It's usually guys being stubborn and staying with what has given them a lot of success. The great guys in the postseason start to recognize, hey, they're throwing me in this spot. I have got to change. I remember 
uh, Tim Raines at one point in the postseason coming to me and saying, you know, can can we take a look at the pitches the last couple of games? It looks like they're changing the way they're throwing me. Well, heck, he's in the Hall of Fame. Right. You know, this is this is a great environment to not only be analytical but be strategic and be just obsessed with trying to get everything out of the game. It's a it's a really glorious time to watch watch a baseball game and the postseason manifests so many amazing things. It's really a lot of fun. Dan, you have three minutes and twenty seconds to teach your class. So you <laughs> we, we gotta get you there. Thanks so much. Next time we have to have you on for a longer time. If you're ever in the city, we're bringing you in because you're great. You uh, you mesh the the era of uh, scouting with the eyeball and with analytics so perfectly. Thanks again for joining us today. Thanks to both of you. Thanks for having me, and hello to all my friends in Chicago. Yeah, there you go. got a million of them, Danny. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Sorry we didn't get to any of that Lane Tech uh, basketball yeah, stuff. Dan, Danny Evans, to. who uh, is a man for all seasons in baseball, and uh, you know we're going to have him on again because it was – Fantastic. There's a lot what he of had to say. there's a lot of ways yeah. to go there. That's for sure. The bottom of the hour was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Sick of paying for high price Chicago parking? Well, the Chicago Wolves are celebrating their 25th anniversary season with rolled back free parking. Presented by your Chicago Land and Northwest Indiana Kia dealers. Visit ChicagoWolves.com for information. We'll continue the conversation with you, the callers and texters, about the evolution of the game and the World Series and where it stands. But I want to know if uh, if if Bryce Harper is coming. And we'll talk to Bruce Levine about that next on The Score. 670 The Scores, where you are. I loved that conversation with Danny Evans. And I just tweeted out that article. You can find me at Matt Spiegel 670 on Twitter. Find him at MLB Bruce Levine. It's inside the clubhouse. Let's squeeze in a couple calls if we can. Mike is in Frankfurt, Michigan on The Score. Hello, Mike. How are you? Hi, guys. And it's appropriate when we're talking World Series to ask a White Sox question. Bruce, hey, thirteen all, years ago, thirteen. Well, yeah. it's always it's always yesterday in our hearts. Um, Bruce, <laughs> Paul Sullivan wrote a lot this week about the White Sox, and and of course, it's one, you wonder when all the Tribune will actually assign a beat reporter to the yeah, Sox that's, again. That's an interesting aspect, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but that goes to another story, um, and that and their TV ratings and stuff. But his question was: Will the White Sox resign or extend Rick Renneria and? Uh, I'd be interested in your view because I think a lot of Sox fans are okay with Renneria. The guy has been given a minor league team to manage. Uh, what's your view? What are they going to do? Are they going to stick this guy or are they going to commit to him? Uh, what's going to happen? The White Sox are totally committed to Rick Renteria. They're totally committed to him as a developer. They're totally committed to him as a guy that they believe will be able to lead a very good team. Uh, when that occurs in the next couple of years, they hope. Uh, and there is real, it's really a non-story other than the fact that uh, the guy was fired by the Cubs after a year because of the fact that his name wasn't Joe Madden. Uh, he was not released from the job as the Cub manager because he did poorly. As a matter of fact, he was brought in to make sure that Anthony Rizzo and Castro – uh, hit better than 238 and 240, and they had wonderful seasons under him. So he is the man of the future. I can speak with pretty good knowledge of the fact that uh, they are firmly committed to Rick Renneria, and it's not a paid political announcement. Now, um, I, I, have, I don't doubt that at all. 
But as you look at the history of rebuilds in recent years, the managers who are there for the downtimes right. are very seldom the guys who are there I, for the uptimes. I, I agree with you. And, A.J. Inch wasn't. Right. They, they just, you know, they, they just don't evolve. You know, the, the, the job is too difficult mm-hmm. that uh, they're so immersed in the player development that they get eaten alive. Right. And it's just there's a, there's a, a limit to how long a message can work anyway. Right, so. but uh, in this case, uh, the players are not in, they're not there yet. Okay, yeah. You know, you look at the Sox roster. How many will be there in a year and a half? I mean, they, they probably won't be. So, yep. um, from that perspective, uh, Rick Renneria is going to be around for a while. Mike, Fred, John, we'll talk to you. We're going to talk a little bit about a, a story I wrote this week about Bryce Harper, Harper and the viability of the Cubs going after him. Manny Machado. White Sox, Cubs, uh, has he hurt himself during this World Series run during knowing he's going to be a free agent? And I want to look down the list of free agents a little bit as I try to figure out the Cubs roster construction for 2019. We're getting there. It's Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine. It is Inside the Clubhouse on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 